Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Live, a Friday afternoon edition. We'll get your weekend off to a good start. I'm David Kaplan. It's all brought to you by the Chevy Silverado, joined by David Haw, J.J. Stankovitz, Vinny Duber, who I thought was Clue Haywood from Major League, or the drummer from Foghat. So good to see all of you guys. All right, Adam Silver met the media today. Uh, They did confirm that there were 16 cases of COVID-19, but they tested several hundred players, not a terrible percentage. You don't want to hear one, but David, when you hear all of this and everything going on in Florida, is this good news that we got from the commission today and from people around the league? I don't know if I'd call it good news, Cap. I think the one thing you respect about Adam Silver, though, is much like in Chicago, we've become used to Theo Epstein being transparent and open about everything. Adam Silver is the same way, and he understood and understands the risk involved. And as he pointed out, there really is no risk-free alternative. And once the Players Association and and the league decided to move forward with this, they accepted those realities. And the number is low, so maybe that is encouraging in terms of a positive test because there will be positive tests. But I like the way that he also was very straightforward and direct in saying that if they had too many positive tests and there was a spread, they would consider shutting things down. That's That's a reality everybody has to consider. But I think they have their eyes wide open and they need to be moving forward. Guys, are you, your take, can we pull this off in Orlando if they keep the bubble secure? I hope so, Cap. But to, to David's point on the number being low, in the English Premier League, it took thousands of tests to get 16 positives. It took the NBA a little over 300. That to me is just a sign that we as a country are not totally ready to have sports back. We have not done enough against this virus to get sports back and get them back safely. I hope the NBA can be a beacon for it, but the NBA is not the first major American sports league to return. The NWSL is returning this weekend and had to have their team from Orlando, the Orlando Pride, had to drop out of the NWSL Challenge Cup because they had 10 positive coronavirus cases with players and staff. That's, that, those situations just cannot happen if we want our sports to come back. And one thing before Vinny answers, and I believe they retested a number on that NWSL Orlando team, and they came up negative. Right. So now they're going to retest them a third time and see which one was correct. Vinny? Yeah, I think you've got a couple things. Obviously, Florida is not a place I don't think anybody wants to be right now. And obviously, the NBA uh, has worked out a situation where that's where they're going to go. But I mean, you've got that you've got the theme parks down there at Walt Disney World settled set to open in the middle of July, too. So you're throwing even more people into that mix down there, perhaps. And another thing to the numbers Obviously, 16 doesn't seem like a lot. We're talking about the NBA, though. You talk about Major League Baseball, they're going to have to test about 1,800 people. Those numbers, even if they're the same percentage as the NBA had, as the NHL had, those numbers are going to be big. What happens when when the NFL returns? And if it's the same percentage with those huge rosters, those numbers are going to be scary big, too. So the numbers do not look good right now. Uh, Like everyone else, I hope the NBA can pull it off down there uh, in Florida. But uh, the numbers are scary. So we had... The state of Florida today, the governor, who may have opened things too quickly, announced you cannot get a drink in a bar. They're going to stop any alcohol sales 
in any bars. You can go to a liquor store and take it home, but you won't be able to go to any bar. They had had packed bars throughout the state. Texas is pulling the same thing because they may have opened too quickly. And Florida announced 9,800 and change new cases today. So are we being naive here in the NBA? I, you know, I mean, you could go that route, Cap. I mean, there's, again, there, there's risk involved. You, you can re legislate responsibility, and it's going to take a shared sacrifice and some self-discipline here on behalf of the players. It, it's it's this relatively small group, and there is a, you know, we, we refer, refer to it as a bubble, and there's going to have to be some adherence to these guidelines. And if you ignore them and if you, you know, defy – the, the convention there and you go out and you take your chances, there's going to be a higher risk involved. And that's why the states of Texas and Florida are in the situations they're in because too many people did that. But if you are responsible, the hope is that this can work, even though there's going to have to be more sacrifice than we've seen so far. All right, let's move to football. Malcolm Jenkins said, look, football's not essential right now. There are other people in the league said, easy for you to say you made $56 million. It is essential to others who are just starting their career, and so many that make their livelihood working around the game. Beer vendors, and ticket takers, and souvenir people, and parking lot attendants, plus the people that work for the teams that make a normal salary aren't millionaires. JJ, do you look at football and go, we need to figure out a way to get this back, if at all possible? Yep, I was waiting for you to also say NFL reporters as someone who makes their living off of the game. But that was kind of understood. As, as someone who does, the NFL is not essential. I mean, it's, a, it's an entertainment product that if we as a country cannot get this virus under control, we shouldn't have it. And it's infuriating to me to see these idiots not wearing their masks, not socially distancing, when it could... It could mean that we don't have football. And that means I don't have a job. And it impacts so many people when you are just stupid and uninformed by not wearing your mask. And it just, you know, what Vinny said, the NFL is going to show up with 90 player rosters at the start of training camp. And if the positive percentage is what it was in the NBA and NHL and probably will be in Major League Baseball, we're talking about hundreds of football players showing up to training camp and testing positive for coronavirus. It's going to be really hard to put on a season with that in mind. And the way that we can solve this is, you know, what, what David was saying earlier, just like shared sacrifice, just responsibility. Let's please do that. Otherwise, I don't know how we're going to have sports this fall. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I agree with JJ 100% there. I mean, if you, to answer your original question, no, football is not at all essential. I think one of the lessons of this pandemic so far has been we've learned what is essential, and that's healthcare and, and, and food, you know, food supply chains and stuff like that. Because not too long ago, we were dealing with a situation where everything was shut down with the exception of what was essential. Football, baseball, basketball, listen, we love sports, obviously. A lot of people do. Uh, it is by no means essential, if that's what you're talking about. All right, let's move on to – go ahead, David. I think it's a loaded question. I mean, I, there's not anybody out there that can make the argument about a sports league or this being an essential, you know, worker or an essential thing. You know, essential workers or healthcare workers or law enforcement officials, these kind of people who are out on the front lines. You know, so I, I don't know that – that, that doesn't mean that if the answer is no, it's not essential, that it's not worth trying to responsibly get this 
sport going because of all the economic realities and all the livelihoods that it does affect. But it, to say it's essential, that's going a step too far. All right, let's move to baseball. Crane Kenny was on the radio with me yesterday. He was also on your station, David. And he said, yeah, we're planning from day one to have people on the rooftops. And I know the governor has said 20% capacity. The mayor hasn't signed off yet, but that we're speaking with her office to try and work that out. Is that really something we think can happen? Would you go to a game? Would the three of you, if I said, here's great seats on a rooftop or here's great seats in the ballpark at Wrigley or guaranteed rate, are you going? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, a difficult question because uh, I, like JJ was just talking about, I'm going to have to go for work. Uh, so, I mean, I think if they're going to have games, I'll, I'll, I'll have to make that decision separately of uh, being a fan in the stands. I'll say this though, it, it seems kind of uh, putting the cart before the horse a little bit. If you're a major league baseball team saying that you're going to have fans in the stands because you don't know what the health situation with your players and your personnel that are going to be needed to just have a game without fans is going to be in a week or so when these guys show up for spring training, we'll see what the numbers are, but they have hundred, uh, you know, over a hundred pages worth of health and safety measures that they're going to put in place to try and limit the spread of this virus, throwing thousands of people into the mix every day. Seems like it would be insane to try and do all of those things and then add that much unknown to it yeah I, I wouldn't go to a game but you know I also have to think about my situation and my family where if my wife or I were to catch COVID I don't know who takes care of my two six-month-old twins you know it, it's it's a really hard thing it's all about personal responsibility and if you do choose to go don't be around your parents don't be around people who are you know 65 60 or older or have pre-existing conditions and wear a mask and hand, wash your hands and socially distance while you can. I just like, I worry going to a game where there might be, even if it's 20% of capacity, that still is like Vinny said, you know, thousands of people. And every single one of them has to take it as seriously as I do for it to be safe. And it's, it's hard to trust that many people to take it seriously. I think you can trust, if you're going out to a patio and it's 20% of capacity, at a restaurant, you can probably reasonably trust that many people to take it seriously. But at a ball game, that, that's just too many people. David? I'd be cautious. I'd be reluctant, Cap. But I also understand why the teams are doing this. You've got a plan. And you wake up every morning, okay, what, am, what is my objective today? And, and you have to prepare for the inevitability and, and you, the hope that things will be safe. So when you get to the point where you can welcome in fans to fill your stadium 20% capacity, you're ready for that. It doesn't mean that on day one, you're going to have 8,000 people there cheering on the Cubs or the White Sox. It just means that if the mayor does lift these restrictions, you have gotten to the point where you're prepared and you have controlled the only thing that you can. And that's all we can do. And then the decision is up to the individuals and it's up to the teams to make those workplaces safe so people can go there without fearing that they're going to get you know, COVID from somebody sitting six feet away. Real quick, uh, real quick, Cap. In Europe, where they've brought soccer back and done it successfully, there are no fans in those stands. And Europe is in a much better place than the U.S. is with coronavirus. So I don't understand why the U.S. is bringing fans back when Europe isn't, and they are in a, a much, much better place with this thing. Uh, real quick, who's better equipped for the 60-game sprint? The veteran Cubs, the unproven but excellent rostered White Sox. Vinny? 
Uh, I will lean White Sox only because of pitching depth. I think the uh, Cubs have some question marks in there on their pitching staff. The White Sox certainly do too. Don't get me wrong. Big ones uh, on how guys will perform. But the thing that this layoff has allowed is for the White Sox to have a lot more pitching depth, getting Kopech back, getting Rodon back. Uh, some of the younger guys who are still minor leaguers who could factor in here. You're going to look at a pitching staff that is in a much better place than it was back in March. Charlie Cardinal. I love the White Sox ceiling. I love their potential. I love the fact they have seven starting pitchers they might want to trust. I think the Cubs, though, with the veterans would just be a hair more, maybe 35 victories. Maybe the Sox are at 33. Then full, uh, full go. Full go, Michael, Co- Michael Kopech, full go, no restrictions. That sounds good to me. Go with the White Sox. And maybe he'll be an opener. You never know. Go full go, 100 miles an hour, first two innings. And Hand it off. You got a lot of depth there. All right, we got to take a timeout. Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline. He's one of the best minor league evaluators in the sport. He's going to tell us about the drafts that both clubs had. And supposedly, there's baby A-Rod now in the Cubs system. We'll be right back. White Sox authentic fans. If you don't have the My Teams app yet, what are you waiting for? Stay up to date with the best Sox coverage in the city and read articles from White Sox insiders. Bring the South Side to your home and download the My Teams app now. Welcome back to Sports Talk Live, brought to you by the Chevy Silverado, and their service centers are open. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com. Find a location near you if you need service done on your car or your truck. Their technicians are hard at work. Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, MLB.com. I always say he is the best as we evaluate drafts and minor league systems. Jim, the draft is now in our rearview mirror. It was much different because of COVID-19, only five rounds. What did you think of the pick? First, we'll start with the White Sox. They go get Garrett Crochet, uh, who should be here fairly quickly. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, with this season also being unusual, I don't think it's impossible that we see Garrett Crochet in the big leagues this year with the White Sox looking to contend. I would think he'd be on the 60-man you know, availability roster. And you know, I mean, this is a guy I could see you, you could do the same thing with him that you did with, with Chris Sale, Cap. You use him as a reliever when you're trying to contend now and you worry about making him a starter later. But I, I really like the pick. Be honest, in a normal season, they wouldn't have gotten him at 11. He was so spectacular in the fall. He was up to 100 with high spin rates on his fastball. He had a plus slider with high spin rates. He showed a well above average changeup. He's left-handed. He's big. Everybody was real excited about this guy coming into the year. And before we knew the coronavirus was going to shut things down, he had some very mild shoulder soreness. So Tennessee decided we'll play this cautious. We'll keep him ready for the SEC season. So he didn't pitch for three weeks. And as it turned out, he only pitched once before the season got shut down. I think in a normal year, he, he comes back. He shows everybody he's fully healthy. He dominates SEC and he doesn't get to 11. But I, I think this is a guy you could use out of the bullpen right away and worry about tran- transitioning him to a starter, just like they did with Chris Sale 10 years ago. Do you like the rest of their draft? Because it's not like the old days where you could just try and throw money at guys and go, well, if you're still there in the fourth round, I'll pay you way over slot. It's all different now. Yeah, and it was even tighter. I mean, there's a bonus pool that usually affects the first 10 rounds. And this year, there are only five rounds. So those bonus pools are even tighter. I did like what the White Sox did. They kind of went all in on their first two picks. With their second pick, they took Jared Kelly, one of the best high school pitchers in the country, right-hander from Texas, uh, you know, up to 98, good change up, you know, breaking balls, a third pitch right now. You know, he was right there in the running the talk of the, of the best high school arms in the country. He should have gone somewhere in the first round. They took him in the second and to be able to afford him, they haven't officially signed him yet. They, they took money saving guys in rounds three, four, and five, but I, I did kind of like the all in strategy 
in my mind, Cap, the White Sox got two first-round arms. It's like almost like they traded their last four picks to move back into the first round if you could actually trade draft picks. All right. If you look at the Chicago Cubs, they did not think Ed Howard was going to be on the board. A Chicago kid who was in the White Sox Aces program and Dan Kantrovitz, Theo Epstein said, we couldn't have envisioned a better scenario that we could draft that kid. What do you think of that pick? I like that pick a lot. I was maybe a little bit more optimistic. He'd be there at 16. He was a guy who, who didn't, I mean, even though he's very talented, didn't seem to have a home ahead of the Cubs. So I, I actually thought there was a chance, depending on who was there at 16, he might even have lasted a little bit longer. But no, he's, in my mind, Cap, best shortstop in the draft. I mean, there's some guys who are announced as shortstops you know, Austin Martin, Nick Gonzalez, they're not going to be shortstops in the long run. Ed Howard's the best true shortstop in this draft, one of the best defensive players in this draft. You know, the back got a little bit of mixed reviews depending on when you saw him on the showcase circuit last summer. But I think he's a little bit underrated as a hitter. I mean, I don't think we're going to see, you know, 300 with 30 home runs at shortstop. I don't see why he couldn't be a 270, 15 to 20 home run guy while giving you quality defense at shortstop. So I really like the value. It didn't make sense to me. I think part of it was – you know, he, he was up and down a little on the showcase circuit last year. He had some minor shoulder surgery in the offseason, and nobody got to see him play this year. And I think that might have worked against him a little bit, but it, it worked out perfectly for the Cubs. They have had a problem developing major league caliber arms in the last eight years for whatever reason. And they've used their picks at the top of the draft and done well. Obviously, Chris Bryant won an MVP in a World Series. Kyle Schwarber is a World Series winner. Ian Happ has had a 20-plus home run season. Uh, Albert Almora, not a great player, but certainly a major league caliber outfielder. What do you think, though, of the Burl Caraway kid that they grabbed, who a lot of people think could move quickly? Yeah, and again, you know, it's funny. I mean, this is an unusual year. I'm not one of these guys who always says, oh, you can see all these guys in the big leagues right away. I think Burl Caraway in a normal year would be your favorite to be first guy to the big leagues out of the draft. And I think that even might be more enhanced this year where it's going to be all hands on deck, especially from a pitching standpoint. He was the best relief pitching prospect in the draft. He's a lefty, 93, 98 mile an hour fastball with really good fastball metrics and a downer curve. So he, he blows the fastball body up in the strike zone and then, then changes your eye level and drops the hammer down through the bottom of the strike zone. He's left-handed. I think in terms of pure stuff standpoint, he might be the best lefty reliever the Cubs have right now. Now I know he hasn't you know, pitched in the minors. He's coming straight out of college. But to me, and I don't think we've seen the plans yet, or if we have, I haven't seen them. Like, I would think you'd put Burl Caraway on that, that 60-man roster of available players. Um, you know, this is a guy, he's a pure reliever. He's, he's a smaller guy. There's effort in the delivery. You're not even worrying about long-term, hey, can we turn him into starter? This was a guy you were drafting all along to get to the big leagues quickly. So why not, uh, you know, see if it can translate? I mean, the arms are all fresh, too, because he only threw about, I don't even know if he threw 10 innings this spring at, at Dallas Baptist. There's also a kid that I've been reading about was on your site, and then I did some more research on Baby A-Rod that the Cubs are in agreement with. They haven't signed because the international date has now been moved from July to January because of COVID-19. Talking about Christian Hernandez, 16 years old. Is he all that? Yeah, he, he, he is all that. I mean, he, it'll be interesting. I mean, Ed Howard's two years older than him, so they won't be right on top of each other, but it'll be kind of interesting watching both those shortstops come through the system. I mean, Hernandez has a chance to hit for power, hit for average. Uh, you know, he's a plus runner. Uh, you know, defense, you know, everything checks out there. He's definitely a shortstop. You know, I, I think if you're comparing him to Ed Howard, he probably has a little bit higher ceiling. I think he's a little bit faster, maybe a little bit more power potential. Obviously, on uh, – there goes my phone. 
Uh, obviously, with with Ed Howard, he's older. He's done it at higher levels against more advanced competition on the showcase circuit. So he'd have a higher floor. But I mean, that's two really good shortstops there for the for the Cubs. It'll be interesting to watch those guys move through the system together. Do both the Cubs and the White Sox have good systems, okay systems, elite systems? How would you grade them? Yeah, it it the White Sox system's interesting, Cap. They have one of the higher ranked systems in baseball, but it's so top heavy. I mean, the first well, they have four prospects in the top 40 of our top 100, and Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, Michael Kopech, and Nick Madrigal. Now, assuming we get a season in, three of those guys won't. I'm sure we'll lose a rookie slash prospect eligibility this year. Uh, Vaughn probably won't, but the system's going to look a lot thinner after this year. The Cubs, they're kind of in a real rebuilding phase. You know, as you mentioned, you know, before they they tried to go heavy pitching for a few years. It didn't quite work out as they hoped. I mean, they do have some interesting guys who aren't quite as, as ready as the, as the White Sox guys are. Nico Horner, we got a taste of last September. He's close. But a lot of their best prospects, Braylon Marquez, Brennan Davis, Miguel Amaya, Cole Roederer, you know, Ed Howard and Christian Hernandez. Those guys are, are probably at least a couple of years away. So that, I don't think you're going to get a lot of immediate help from the Cubs system. But down the road, maybe where the White Sox, they're going to get big time help right away. Yeah, yeah the White Sox, I think – by the end of this year, early 2021, because Andrew Vaughn isn't far away, most of the guys who are going to be a key part of that White Sox contending team for a while are going to be in place in Chicago. The, the Cubs, you know, it's going to be a couple years before they get help like that. Appreciate all your knowledge. As always, people need to follow this, man. Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, MLB.com. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks a lot. You too, Cap. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll take time out. We'll wrap up Sports Talk Live right after this. Listen up, Bulls Authentic fans. The My Teams app is the perfect app for you. Get your favorite team at your fingertips. Don't miss out on the best Bulls coverage in the city and read in-depth articles. What are you waiting for? Download the My Teams app now. Welcome back on Sports Talk Live this Sunday. Voices in Chicago Sports Sound Off on a powerful movement in our country. Watch episode two of Race in America, a candid conversation with Lawrence Holmes, Kendall Gill, Alex Brown, Jason Goff, and Tony Gill, 9 p.m. on NBC Sports Chicago. All right, that is a wrap for this edition of Sports Talk Live, brought to you by the Chevy Silverado. Thank you, J.J. Stankovitz, Vinny Duber, David Hall, who I like to call Charlie Cardinal because he was a Ball State All-American. You have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you right back here on Monday. See you.